The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And um, today I want to talk about music. We've all been, we've all experienced music touching us in some way, whether it's made us happy or sad, or we're actually just enjoying the song and singing along. What we don't always realize is the power that the music has for us in our healing. Today we're joined by Jennifer Buchanan, who is a certified music therapist and the author of the book Tune In. A highly regarded expert and trailblazer in her field, Jennifer is past president of the Canadian Association. Association for Music Therapy and an in-demand keynote speaker at national conferences spanning areas including healthcare, education, leadership, and business development. Her company, JB Music Therapy, has been most recently nominated for the Community Impact Award by the Chamber of Commerce. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess I want to start with how you got involved in, in music in the first place. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I grew up in a family that wasn't musical. Um, our home was pretty quiet and, and our family didn't engage in a lot of music either, but you could feel some, some love towards it on special occasions like at Christmas time and, and the music would start. But it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't deep seated through, through the year. And, I had a natural inclination towards music, and and I was um, fortunate enough to have a piano delivered to our home when I was eight years old, and uh, a teacher that came, and he had a very unique teaching style, which was that he always had me feel the music and not worry about the notes so much, and that was the beginning until my um, grandfather at the age of 62, uh, suffered his second major stroke, and this time would be placed in long-term care. Um, obviously, you know, a young, younger um, senior, and uh, my, I would visit there with um, my grandmother, and one day she said, Jen, would you bring, I had also been starting to learn guitar, I was now about 13 or 14 years old, she said, Jen, would you bring in your grandfather's and play for him his favorite song. And I can remember thinking I had no idea Granddad had a favorite song. He always seemed incredibly grumpy to me. Um, our family didn't do a lot of music, so just hearing he had a favorite song was interesting. 
I did go home and I learned it. I came back the following Friday. I sat beside his bedside. I played through that song. And the lady who typically would scream in the hallway came into the room and started to sing with me. The wandering guy who normally wandered around the facility and didn't say very much came in and just sat quietly beside me too. And I saw my grandfather cry for the first time. And I can just remember my granny putting her hand on my shoulder and saying, just keep going, dear, (laughs) because something was happening. And my Friday nights would change from there on. That was the day we went to visit my grandfather. And um, until I entered the music therapy program, uh, that would be my, my experience. That's a pretty powerful experience to have at age 13, to realize how powerful that, you know, that the music is and what it was Absolutely. doing for everybody. Yeah, I can yeah. see why you were drawn to doing the music therapy, just having had that experience and changing all those lives at such a young age. Well, and at that time, no one was talking about music therapy. And if they were, they were kind of saying it in joke, you know, that it wasn't really anything. It took me a while to find out that this was a real profession and people were getting degrees and getting certified. So it was, I I came in at a great time. So um, can you tell us exactly what's involved in doing music therapy? I mean, you just explained a little bit, but it must be a little more complicated than that. Absolutely. And the first thing that, that probably is really important to note is that music therapists in Canada are trained as generalists. And so what that means is that we have a lot to learn about not only what music does for us, both emotionally and physically, but we also have to learn a lot around um, child development, uh, psychiatry, because we work in mental health um, and psychology. We go into um, areas of senior dementia care, palliative care, and so learning a lot of different um, influences that come in. And music has been used uh, in all those capacities at some level, you know, throughout history, you can find music because it's been a part of our community and a, a part of our growth and development. So what happens as a music therapist is it's 100% what we focus on and what we learn about so we can use it with the deepest amount of intensity uh, and frequency that's suitable for that person that we're going to be working with. We work with individuals and we work in groups. Uh, we can work with a mom and her infant, or we could work with an aide and the student that has learning disabilities. We can work uh, with youth at risk um, who are really struggling with depression. We can serve uh, persons who are um, going through active treatment uh, with cancer, and uh, we can help them there with um, uh, working on all the different areas that they're thinking about, being it mindfulness or relaxation or um, productivity. And we work a lot with seniors as well in regards to helping 
sitting with a senior who may be feeling isolated and bringing in a sense of familiarity and comfort. And again, with people with any sort of neurologic impairment, be it brain injury or dementia, and actually helping to recircuit the wires in our brain so maybe we can reestablish um, and improve our, our voice, our speaking, our breath, you know, so it can be incredibly functional and emotional. <laughs> Um, it sounds varied. I mean, it, it, um, there's a lot of things that, that you're doing. What actually happens in a typical session with somebody? So what could happen is, okay, let's uh, actually, how about if I tell you about a story um, sure. of where I wasn't um, so successful? <laughs> Sometimes those- <laughs> Scenarios are where you learn the most, and so this is with a an, a senior. Um, and I was working with Gerda. I had been hired to work with Gerda by the family, but she was also going to participate in a small group program. So there were four seniors in the group, and so my first job would be to go to the rooms and to porter those four individuals into our private area. And as soon as I walked into Gerda's room, she would scowl at me. Um, She didn't like to be interrupted by anybody, I was told. And when I would start taking her down the hall, I noticed that the residents would start moving away from her because she would spit at them if they got too close. And she was probably all of four foot 11 and probably, you know... 90 pounds, tiny little thing in this huge wheelchair. Can you imagine that? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm sure she was probably in her early 90s, and she didn't speak English at this point. She was in late-stage dementia. We would go down the hall. We'd get to the group. And I tried everything that my training had and experience had provided me. So, um One of the things is that even though we say the word music, um, we're often breaking that down. So we're looking at um, tempo, you know, taking a song a little bit slower or a little bit faster can really affect people biologically. We are looking at different tones, so I might try like a drum versus a flute versus my guitar versus my voice and seeing if any of those, you know, engage in responsiveness. Um, And then we might try different genres. So with someone of that age, you know, I have a general idea of what music they would be interested in hearing and finding their personal preferences. And really, I tried all of those things, Um, seeing Gerda every week, The other three individuals were highly engaged, and Gerda just scowled at me and occasionally would spit beside her her chair. So I knew I was missing something, and I looked through my list of all the things I had tried, and I realized that it's going to be around the preferences it has to be. And so I called her family, and I said, you know, we've engaged in these sessions, we're three weeks in, I am not feeling I'm getting the level of responsiveness that I'd like to from your mom. I'm wondering if 
one of the kids could come in and observe the session. So her daughter came in, observed the session. As she was observing, I noticed she was crying. I looked at her mom and I wasn't seeing any shift in what her mom was presenting to me. And at the end of the session, she came over and crouched near her mom and she held her hands and she began to sing what I learned was a Latvian lullaby. Her mom lifted up her head and sang every word for three to four minutes, every word. They looked right at each other's eyes. There was such a strong connection. It was absolutely palpable. I can remember the daughter turning to me and saying, my mom has been here for five years. She scowls at me every time I come. That is the strongest connection we've ever had. I never thought to sing to my mom. And I went, okay, that's what this was all about. So... The spectrum of music therapy could be as a music therapist. I am creating an environment where those connections can happen, but I may not be necessarily completely directive as to the actual music that's being used to make that connection happen. She made that happen. That's a, that's a beautiful story. And, yeah, I guess the... You know, we we do miss those connections with our family as well, and you were able to help her bring that together, which is um, what a lot of people are missing when they're at that that point in their lives or at any point really. We miss those connections, so um, you must get um, a lot of satisfaction see, when you see that happen. Yeah, you know, in in our um, work here uh, in our company, so I've got a team of. 15, uh, we um, go and see a lot of different people, and we're not there all day, you know, so we're not working in a full-time, we're in a variety of different settings. And so it's to go in and to spend some quality, meaningful half an hour or 45 minutes with, or an hour with somebody is we do see that as quite the privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, and that if you're able to bring such joy to them as well in that half an hour, that's quite a privilege, I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so um, we are um, shortly going to take a break. Um, I do I do love um, this topic. I think music is really powerful for for everybody and we don't realize that impact you know when um and so we're going to talk about more of that after the break how it can trigger those memories and those emotions um which i uh, i mean i think it just goes beyond what all of us are even thinking about in our lives so um we're we're talking today with jennifer buchanan who's a a certified music therapist. Uh, she works out of the company JB Music Therapy, which is her own company in Calgary. She's also the author of the book Tune In, which I think is available on Amazon, and you have it as hard copy, and it can be um, read on Kindle. So if you have any questions, feel free to call in today, or you can contact us um, on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. we love to hear from you. We'll be back shortly.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. I'm here today with Jennifer Buchanan. She's the author of the book, Tune In, as well as she has her own company called JB Music Therapy. Um, She is a music therapist, and we're talking today about what that means. So um, you gave us an example before the break about, um, you know, a a therapy session that you'd had where you were able to reach somebody. And this, I think we don't, always think about um, that music is so powerful. I mean, we mostly just listen to it, you know, in the car and kind of sing along. Um, and uh, in, in my family, I'm not musical. And, uh, um, but there was music in my house. And uh, my, my mom used to have all sorts of percussion instruments because none of us could mm-hmm. really play. And we would just like bang around, especially when my niece was really little, we would bang around and jump around and, and uh, have fun. And there wasn't anything to it, but it definitely, um, you know, was fun and, br- and brought us together. And I can imagine mm-hmm. that, you know, your sessions are probably similar to that. Um, what tools and instruments do you use in sessions? Do you just, you know, use your guitar and sing along or is there other things? Oh, that's such a great question. And yeah, I can envision your family when you were younger and and that's a beautiful example of what I would call an improvisational session, you know, where where people are getting together. So um, it it is interesting. We use a variety of tools. Um, The reason why the guitar can be quite 
predominant is because it's one of the larger tools that we can take with us as we commute from location to location. Pianos are more difficult, although I would say the majority of music therapists have strong piano backgrounds. Uh, Of course, voice is a part of it, but yes, we use a lot of percussion instruments and we also use things, um, first of all, on the percussion instruments, the whole variety could be from the different sorts of drums throughout the world, hand drums to djembes. Uh, we use a lot of different um, drums for sure. We also use uh, different tones of percussion, so that could be a clave or the wood sticks. And we can get very, very picky that the rosewood ones are going to sound very different from the maple ones. And it's interesting to see what different people gravitate to. And of course, there's a whole host of, of shakers. I, I often say that, you know, when music began in the world, uh, one of the things we all had in common, it doesn't matter where you were in the world, but music seemed to start with a drum and a wooden flute and a rattle. And that was everywhere. And we're bringing that definitely back into a music therapy session. Uh, instruments, though, are tricky because for some people that can all of a sudden make a session threatening. And so we need other tools as well. We may not be able to jump right in to using instrumentation or even melody and song um, that can create not the right ambiance for some of our clients. So we also land on using music-based counseling questions. And so what that could be would be something like finding someone's, uh, putting together somebody's personal soundtrack Uh, What was the music that they listened to before they were in school? What was their dominant music listening while in school, high school, and now later on into adulthood? Where are you gravitating to? And then it's about looking at that and saying, you know, it has much changed. Um, if, If it has changed, what could that mean? And begin discussing and and finding very specific triggers and anchors are what I talk about in my book a lot of the music that really triggers us into into a memory or an emotion and then what music anchors us to that for when we need it again. Um, And so what does that do for somebody when you find those triggers and anchors? Well, it depends on what the person's personal goals are. So I've had some people, a lot of people, come and they're just looking for a real boost of mood on a daily basis. They're feeling um, some stress. They're feeling either work stress or they're just feeling stress while being in school. We work with a lot of youth that can feel that way. And so we're looking for that music that naturally, that they prefer and that naturally gives them that boost. I really encourage um, putting together uh, an understanding into that there could be some uh, common ground in the tempo that you're attracted to. There could be some instruments that you're particularly attracted to that can bring about that improved mood. And it's about, first of all, just looking at that with awareness. 
and then using it with intention for when you need that boost of mood again. Okay. Um, so what, what happens to people uh, as you go through these sessions? What changes are you hoping to see or are you seeing when you're doing all of this? Yeah. Uh, so again, this is going to be very different, but I'll, I'll tell you another story and maybe this will be helpful. So um, a couple of times over these last two months, I've worked with a group of individuals who are um, who are going through treatment for cancer or that they have um, gone into remission from cancer. It's actually at a place called Wellspring. And this was, we're actually doing a pilot there. We've done two sessions already and they're six hours long, Rebecca. <laughs> so it's a, we do have a lunch break, I promise. But it's the first time I've ever done six hour sessions where we start off at 10 and we leave at 4. And it's bringing a group of people together. Some know each other, but some don't. And my entire focus for this group is to try a variety of these interventions and experiences that will inspire everyone in the room to use music with more intention and perhaps more frequency after the day. But it's also for the moment to uh, find opportunities for people to express their creativity some release to experience some deep relaxation, um, but also this improved mood we're talking about. So in a six-hour session, as you can imagine, um, you can't just necessarily launch in and saying, okay, we're going to start drumming now and we're going to drum for the next three hours, not with this particular group and not with those goals in mind. So we will start with a question to the group. And the question I started with them just this past week was, what does music mean to you? And that sounds really simple, but we're not thinking about it very often. And even with the listeners today, you know, what does music mean to you? And then the next question could be, how are you already using music in your life? Even that brings some new awareness of, oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about it. I get in the car, I turn on the radio. But there are also times where you change the station. Why are you changing it? What was it around that song that led you to change? And so we begin into that dialogue. Does that all make sense? Yeah. And then what we might launch into is something a bit more physical. So I will now play four pieces of recorded music. And those four pieces of recorded music are incredibly different. And I express to the group that they may not like those pieces of music. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing with pre I never, ever make an assumption just because I love something or just because you love something definitely does not mean the person next to you is going to have nearly the same connection. So I let them know that they may not like these pieces or they may completely like them, but that's not the point. What the point of listening to these four pieces of music is that 
certain images and feelings are going to come about. And they have pens and they have um, coloring crayons in front of them. And whatever images as they're listening to this piece, and they typically range between five minutes and seven minutes, they will draw or they will journal, they will write things. And then we'll do a comparison study. What's ultimately happening through all this, though, is this group is connecting in a way like they've never connected before. Like I said, some knew each other, some didn't. But because of the natural impact of music, in this case, it helps release oxytocin, which is that feeling of bonding. It's the feeling after you've given birth to a child and that level of connection, that's what's happening in this group. Dopamine is being released, which is the feel-good hormone. And as they're exploring um, all of the different music, their cortisol is going down, which is their stress. So as a group, we're beginning to ride this wonderful wave of music together, regardless of whether we've loved every second of the music or not. It's about the intention of why we're doing that activity. That is making the difference. And so um, how often do you do sessions with people? Is that individual as well? Yeah. So, you know, we've been really fortunate. So that's one example. So with that group, it would be, that would be a one-time session. That's what our pilot is, is a six-hour one-time. Some people might come back in future sessions, but we intentionally set it up as a, as a single session. But most of our clients see us every week. Um, many of our clients' agencies, because we provide services predominantly to major agencies around the city, uh, we've been going to some of them since, well, since we started, which was 1991. So we're 25 years old, and we keep going back to the same agencies since then. Okay. Um, So you spoke a little bit about the oxytocin and the dopamine, and are there more studies on what exactly music is doing for us? Yeah. Again, I feel like I've been born at the right time to learn all this information (laughs) because when the fMRI machine came out, all of a sudden new information. Absolutely. You know, I can't believe that it was just over a couple of decades ago that we thought the brain was stagnant, that once a neurologic impairment happened, that's, you know, it's not going to improve too much. But we're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing incredible change. And what we're seeing with music when we're looking at an MRI, um, but also getting back people's personal experiences and also using biofeedback machines and, you know, the technology is really helping us. We are learning that there is no other activity in the world that we know of yet that activates the more of the brain simultaneously than when you're deeply entrenched in music that you prefer. And so both sides of the brain are being activated. What this means to us is that when we're working with someone with dementia or we're working with someone with brain injury, music is still finding a way to to be a part of that person's life. You cannot hit one place in the brain and lose music forever. Music will be with you at some capacity, no matter 
what neurologic impairment has happened. So um, when you're working with dementia, are you seeing changes or is it triggering memories just because it's triggering so much of their brain? Yeah. So we're <laughs> seeing, I, I mean, I hate to say miracles, but when I first started to do this work, that's what it felt like was happening because, you know, I'd, I'd be working with someone who wasn't speaking and their head was down in their tray. Lots of people, lots of people like Gerda and still do. And if when you find that right song, um, even though they may have forgotten what their spouse's name is, they're remembering every word to that song and or the melody to that song. So they'll hum along in perfect pitch with you. So it's really amazing. And then, again, so, so who cares, right? So who cares if someone can sing a song? The change in their facial affect from being lost to being connected, again, is so palpable. And to help someone feel apart, there is nothing um, perhaps more frightening for somebody than to think you're losing yourself. So to be able to tap into the best part of yourself and having music help you get there is quite amazing. That is amazing. Do we know how long that um, last for a person? I mean, with dementia, of course, they, you know, you can have good days and bad days. Does that stick around yeah. and help them feel good for a while? Or, or do we understand that yet? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that we've got um, clear data on that. Um, clinically, we've seen everything from just the moment of someone feeling that connected and then immediately going back and retreating into themselves to, you know, 20 minutes, I've been told by some staff that the entire unit changes for about an hour afterwards. Um, and so they just find that the residents are calmer. They're, um, and there's also definite research that says that with more music, especially in dementia care, that's what we're talking about now, um, when we use more music in dementia care, there are less pharmaceuticals that need to be used. So there's definite research around that. Yeah, which, I mean, why wouldn't we want to get people feeling better on their own in, in a way that's probably helping them more and triggering them more? Um, is music used aside from your sessions? Like, do the staff follow that up with something, or is it just when you go in? You know, yeah, I, I've seen this change. Again, because, you know, starting 25 years ago, uh, when I first started, there wasn't a lot of music being used in any of the areas of the hospital. Um, or we're not just in hospitals, we're also in group homes and also schools. And I wasn't seeing as much usage at that point. We're definitely seeing more now, and we've partnered with a group in Toronto called Room 217, uh, where we're offering now um, three levels of training for the caregivers and paraprofessionals to support um, the individual through music. So we'll go in there as music therapists, uh, set up a, a plan, but there is now opportunity for some carry-through after some training has been had and that's exactly where we want to go. Yeah, you want to, if it lasts an hour, you want to keep going so that it lasts exactly. longer. 
Yeah, well, we're going to take a, a quick break. We're here today with Jennifer Buchanan, who is the author of TuneIn, and she has her own company called JB Music Therapy. She's a music therapist in Calgary, um, Alberta, Canada, and we're talking today about how powerful music is for you and your healing. Um, so if you have any questions about today's show, you can call in or you can message us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back shortly after this break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. I'm here today with Jennifer Buchanan, who is the author of Tune In. She's a music therapist, and she's been a music therapist for 25 years. So, Jennifer, we talked a lot about what you do in your music therapy sessions, but is there a way that, um, you know, some of us can just bring that into our everyday life. I mean, in, you know, in most people's lives, I think we just listen to the radio in the car or when we're cleaning the house. <laughs> is there, is there, I mean, that must be doing something for us that we don't realize, but um, what can people do to help themselves with this? <laughs> well, and that's so good, right? And I want to encourage people to keep doing that for sure. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, we just had a, a really fun night. I took my staff to an 80s review where we listened to all 80s music and we were able to sing along and we just had so much fun with that and having fun and entertainment with music is definitely important and if you haven't done that for a while um, I highly encourage people to get out and listen to live music and experience live music throughout whatever city you're in. Um, in regards to using music with deeper intention, particularly for your health needs. So uh, if you are 
knowing that you're needing to relax, if you're knowing that you're needing to feel more productive at work uh, or in your home, um, that's where music can also be a real part. And that's part of why, um, or a significant reason I, I wrote the book, was to help us bring music back into our lives in, in just a deeper, meaningful way. And so I think where I'd like to start is perhaps if we look at our home and, uh, you know, we, we were talking a bit at the break that we might put, put on music while we're house cleaning, for example, which um, is such a great tool. So why do we do that? Because it boosts our mood and seems to increase our energy. And we just need to take that into all the different areas of what we need. Um, I suggest putting together purposeful playlists. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite home activities. It's something that you can do personally or as a family or intergenerationally. And when you have identified the feeling you need in the day, so if everyone could just envision a, a typical day for yourself and perhaps when you're at home when is it that you feel a bit of a lull, you know? So is that around the dinner hour? Is it just after dinner? Is it as soon as you wake up? Pick out the time of day that you actually feel that bit of a lull that you wished you felt 5% better. Then identify what it is that you need emotionally at that point. Is it that you're needing nurturing, soothing, um, a boost of mood, uh, energy, you know, if you can be really specific as to what you feel you need, and that's the name of your playlist. So putting that, that emotion word, so let's say it's going to be energy. Energy is going to be the actual name of your playlist. So even when you turn on that playlist, your brain immediately engages to the word itself and the, the, trigger that you have when you see the word energy and you feel the word energy. All the music that has been put in there is going to be music that you've collected over time. So this is where, unfortunately, there is a bit of work involved. Um, it's not so simple that because we're trying to be as preferential as possible and very specific to you, you and your needs. But I promise you, even the activity of collecting your music can be highly engaging and inspiring for yourself. So as you collect this music, say 20 to 30 songs, that every time you hear them, you feel energized. And you put that energy right into your playlist uh, and then use it at that time of day for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, when you know you're going to need it most. And just test it. Do you feel different when you hear it? Has it changed your mood? It's very similar to something like aromatherapy when we hear, a, 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 when we smell something that really stimulates our senses. I call music like our, our true sixth sense, that it seems to affect us like that. And so if we can find just that right music to energize us at that time of day, yeah, it'd be, uh, I'd like to hear from people on how that's working. <laughs> um. 
I, I th- that's definitely something that I've done. I have a few playlists for different things, you know, driving in the car, working out, or, or that kind of thing. And I, I think it's a lot easier to do than it used to be. We don't have to make tapes anymore. So true, <laughs> music right? is way more accessible um, for those of us that are a little older. <laughs> we remember making tapes. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and that's sort of part of that intergenerational thing. I was saying, you know, sometimes working with people who are not technological, getting to know their music, giving them a hand and helping them. This is a great way for younger folk and older folk to connect, right? Is to learn about each other's music. Yeah, that's true. Well, definitely different over the generations too. And you know, I saw yesterday that there's um, more sales in older music than there ever has been before than the newer stuff coming out. So yeah, yeah, because we we did the best stuff. That's like (laughs) that's why. (laughs) (laughs) So if if music is so important, and I mean, we know that it's important. We listen to it, and we have our you know our pop icons that we love. Why is the funding cut in it so much? Why is there such a lack of it in our education? Yeah, it does seem that when economically things get lower, that we begin to cut things like the arts. And I I believe, I don't have all the answers for this, but there does seem to be some connection just culturally that they're fringe, that they're extras. And so those are the extras that would go instead of seeing something like music and art that has been historically a part of our development since the beginning of time. And so we just haven't put the weight of how powerful it is. And even though, you know, we've been talking about how music contributes to um, change in us, it contributes to our learning. It contributes to us being more productive so we can do all those things. Even if you're focused on money, I would say, you know, music can boost that feeling of productivity and help you even achieve that goal if that was your goal. Yet we still do not seem to, we still see it as French and just as an extra. I don't know why we do that. But it is definitely a cultural shift that is going to happen, um, particularly throughout North America, for sure. I think it's something that needs to happen because if you just, I know when I was in school, I was studying and, you know, that's all you're doing is this linear thinking. Every (laughs) once in a while, I'd have to go and do something creative to balance that. So I don't even know how you could be in school and not have that balance of music or drawing or, or something that's different so yeah. that your brain can have that break and that stimulation. It seems like it would be more important. Absolutely. Um, and even yeah. more, how about integrating the arts within every class in some mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. I think it will again help us anchor right to what we're learning and hold on to it much longer. It's going to induce those memories and just improve our learning. Yeah, kind of the same as, you know, when I had to remember something, I had to put a little rhyme to it. And if I'd had a song, I probably would have remembered stuff better. (laughs) So is there just any story that you want to tell us before we end here just to bring this all together? Something that has touched you a lot in your journey? You know, I think in, 
I think I've just been so grateful to make it to this 25th year. I've been so grateful that we've been able to see the range of people. Um, We haven't talked a lot about kids today, but, you know, the opportunity to work with babies with visual impairment, children with cerebral palsy, and, again, to see their success in using music as a learning tool as we started, just how grateful we feel and what a privilege this work is. Uh, the fact that, you know, we've been actually able to uh, build a community around it and connect people, not just through music, but connect with the different agencies and the people who are working so hard to bring music therapy to their facilities and doing whatever it takes in order to bring us in. We're not um, yet a, a insured coverage um, therapy. And so people are working really hard to ensure that their family members are getting the, the treatment that they want for their family member, regardless of how old they are. And so for that, I'm just really grateful. Well, and it's important, and I hope someday it does become something that's covered and part of programs because we, we know how important it is. And now that we have all these, um, you know, the MRI studies and everything showing how important it is, um, hopefully it'll be brought into being way more important. And can you tell us a little bit about your book, Tune In, and just what brought you to bring that, do that? Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, Tune in was um, again. It's it's a it's a bringing together these stories that some of them I've shared with you today and um, many more, and then along with the research that goes along with it, and then I've put at the end ten personal strategies that you can use within your your work in your home. Um, it was an absolute joy to write. I knew every time that I started crying during a story that it was probably a good one. And, you know, I giggled at a few others. And uh, people can purchase it, um, as you said, at Amazon. Um, If you want to learn more about the book, uh, you can go to uh, the book's website, which is tuneintomusic.com. Okay. And your company, you work out of Calgary, and you said you had about 13 people working there? Yeah, so we've got 13 um, therapists working, and then we've got some people also organizing all of us to get around the city. (laughs) Um, We see approximately um, 1,800 individuals are on our uh, therapy list in groups and individual sessions, and... um, and we we go everywhere. We we're, we try to stay as accessible as possible. So, ninety percent of our clients we see out in the community, and and the rest we see at our office slash clinic. Um, and it's it's been wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so, uh, is there a way that somebody can get a hold of your company so that they can find you if they want to? Um, start this for themselves or a family member? You bet. So you can find our company at jbmusictherapy.com and we see 
all ages, all abilities. Um, if you're just dealing with stress today and you're wanting to try something new, we would love to work with you. Okay. And does somebody have to sign up for regular sessions or can they just do a one-time thing or a you group thing a for businesses? Thing. Yeah. Okay. We do yeah. a whole, we do the whole range. It, it really does come down to what your needs are. Yeah, yeah, you don't so, have to stay with us for 25 years if you don't yeah. want to. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a good thing to bring into businesses or just into a school every once in a while just to bring everybody together. So Exactly. Um, One of yeah. my goals is to work with more EAP programs, employee assistance programs. We've seen some good results there as well. So, oh, yeah, it's a huge range. Yeah, so I want to thank you for um, sharing with us today. This is, uh, I think, a really important topic. And we talk a lot on this show about, you know, things that can be contributing to being unwell. And I think it's important to bring in what you can do to help yourself, which is um, what the music is, because that's accessible to everybody. And um, I I want to thank you uh, for sharing today. And thank you for your generosity of having me today. I really appreciate it. So you're welcome. Um, we were joined today by Jennifer Buchanan. She's a music therapist um, and the author of the book, Tune In. She works out of her own company, JB Music Therapy, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. If you have any questions about today's show, feel free to email us at anantacalgary at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Um, and I want you to make today a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.